1: CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Fancy Bear and France's elections, why clever phishing continues to succeed, and what's up with zero-auth abuse? Information operations distinguished from simple hacking. Another point-of-sale compromise suggests identity management issues. And can hackers really blow up a submarine by driving their car fast and furious? You be the judge. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, April 26, 2017. Observers continue to digest Trend Micro's report that Pondstorm, that is Fancy Bear in all probability Russia's GRU military intelligence service, intruded into networks associated with French presidential candidate Emmanuel Macron. Trend Micro researchers are at pains to point out that the sort of fishing Pondstorm conducts is unusually resistant to the sorts of sound, commonsensical best practices organizations take to protect themselves. It dupes victims into giving up not only passwords, but access tokens, too. It sends a plausible-looking email to their target, pretending to be from Google, warning the marks that your account is in danger and inviting them to install a bogus security app called Google Defender. If you fall for it, you're redirected to an actual Google page that invites you, in effect, to allow Pawnstorm to view and manage your email. If you click Allow, you're handing them your OAuth token, which gives them what they're after. Google says it's on the lookout for OAuth abuse and reminds everyone that they should download their apps only from the Play Store. Phishing, of course, is a general problem and not one confined to political targets. NTT Security's recent study of the problem concludes that around three-quarters of all malware is distributed by phishing. Robert Caps of New Data Security told us that quote, "phishing schemes have become extremely sophisticated with nearly all modern attacks aimed at stripping end users of their authentication credentials and other sensitive information." End quote. He notes that an IBM study found that some 70% of the credentials that are stolen by phishing are collected within an hour of the onset of the attack. He argues that there's a need to get beyond identity validation techniques that can be stolen and reused, and he sees the way forward as lying in passive biometrics and behavioral analysis. It's worth noting that the kind of hacking going on in recent political campaigns seems to be done in the service of information operations, influence that would formerly have been achieved through leaflets, planted stories in newspapers, radio broadcasts, blackmail, and so on, the armamentarium of traditional propaganda and compromise. Since today information operations are generally carried out online, the cyberwire has taken an expansive view of them, Cyber operations are things people do to other people using IT and OT as a means to some end. It's worth, however, distinguishing information operations from such activities as destructive attacks or takeovers of victim systems, the sorts of attacks seen, for example, in Stuxnet or Shamoon. As C4ISRnet reports, panelists at a recent Carnegie Endowment symposium wanted people to understand the distinction. Christopher Painter, coordinator for cyber issues at the U.S. State Department, called cyber the vector by which information was extracted, but how and why such information is used by the adversary is, quote, not necessarily a cyber issue, end quote. Former U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff cautioned against being too quick to weaponize information in ways that could easily lead to censorship. He advised instead that attention be devoted to counter-messaging, The U.S. has had relatively few counter-messaging successes in recent history. IronNet's Brett Williams, retired Major General and former Director of Operations for U.S. Cyber Command, is similarly frustrated by the too-easy focus on the hacking aspects of information operations. He argues in a C4ISR net op-ed that victims of information operations need to spend at least as much time on telling a persuasive story as they do slamming the network security barn after the informational horse has already been stolen. The IOT continues to provide both challenges and opportunities for consumers and security professionals alike. We heard from Stan Black, chief security officer at Citrix, for his take on the
2: IOT there's a tremendous amount of technology that we're adding into the now that was never connected to the internet uh programmable logic controllers for you know nuclear plants dams power grids etc and then there are a a significant number of customers who are producing consumer-based technology and their primary goal is to be the only player in a space whether it's a uh, a Wi-Fi doorbell or uh, a refrigerator or something you add to your car. So we have a, co- a combination or a risk associated with legacy, and we have a, a, a risk associated with time to market and cost of goods sold. If you only sell something for 20 or $30, probably you're not going to put $100,000 worth of security testing in it to, before you release it.
1: When people reference that, um, I've heard a lot of people wonder if you know, there needs to be some sort of regulatory solution, since the neither the manufacturers or the consumers are really going to uh, have much motivation to push for better security. What's your take on that?
2: Well, if we apply regulation, then we get into a situation where we have multiple companies or and multiple countries. So... If we look at some of the vulnerabilities and issues that have been associated with with IoT devices and technology, frankly, the the primary issue is is that good security uh, coding practices were not adhered to. So I don't know if that needs to be regulated. Um, If we had a regulation for every vulnerability that we had, we would never get anything done.
1: Let's talk about um, some of the upside. What do you see as some of the positives uh, with the explosion of IoT in the workplace?
2: Things that were required uh, uh, an individual to do an activity can now be integrated and potentially automated. Plus, since there aren't as many people in the mix, uh, some of the the inherent challenges that you have with uh, inconsistencies of, of, of personnel go away very quickly. I mean, look at um, automated uh, warehouses, as an example, by combining uh, RFID, whether it be dust or chips or what have you, full robotics, etc. That's pretty darn impressive technology, and, and the value to, to the companies that use that is is incredibly high. I, I think that we need to recognize one simple fact. They are still dependent upon technologies that we can secure. As an example, if you'd like to connect them to an Internet, you can encrypt that tunnel. So I think that many of the practices that we use prior to the IoT explosion are still incredibly relevant and have been at the cost associated with performing the due diligence and due care on software and connectivity, etc, has come down dramatically, so a company can be competitive and can be secure at the same time.
1: That's Stan Black from Citrix. The restaurant chain Chipotle Mexican Grill reports a point-of-sale breach that lasted between March 24th and April 18th of this year. It affected credit card payments. And finally, have you seen Fast and Furious 8, Fate of the Furious, yet? Neither have we. But Robert Graham has watched it for all of us and posted a hacker-centric review over at Errata Securities blog. He pretty much reigns on the parade led by Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, finding the movie's depiction of hacks implausible, to say the least, with a couple of the hardware MacGuffins particularly objectionable, including a Cyber Mastermind's airplane that flies only where satellites can't observe it, and a device called God's Eye that accesses absolutely every camera in the world to show you absolutely everything that's going on everywhere. But Mr. Graham concludes his review with a tolerant shrug and a nod toward the willing suspension of disbelief Aristotle thought necessary to proper appreciation of drama. As Graham points out, quote, In the movie, the hero uses his extraordinary driving skills to blow up a submarine. Given this level of willing disbelief, the exaggerated hacking is actually the least implausible bit of the movie. Indeed, as technology changes, making some of this more plausible, the movie might be seen as predicting the future, end quote. Of course, predicting is one thing, accurate predicting another. But check out Arata's review and then save us an aisle seat. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan saw an article come by on InfoWorld with a sort of breathless headline. It said "Critical flaw alert!" exclamation point. Stop using JSON encryption. What's going on here?
0: Well, basically, what uh, researchers found is that a, a classical attack, actually one that researchers have known about for quite a while, uh, was actually possible against the uh, encryption scheme being used in the JSON libraries. And it's really interesting. Again, as one of these examples of again something that that people had known for a while and been and had been pointed out. Uh, repeatedly in research papers but nevertheless was still something that uh, programmers were not aware of apparently when they implemented uh, the system and so um, turns out that it's vulnerable to to that attack
1: and uh, this is referred to as an invalid curve attack what is that
0: yeah, so basically what this I- involves is the uh, the fact that uh, an attacker can pick certain parameters. And in this case, uh, those are parameters that define a particular elliptic curve. And it turns out that uh, those parameters need to be validated by the honest party before being used. And if they're not validated, then what an attacker can do is basically um, pick parameters that define an insecure elliptic curve. And uh, it, you know, luckily, from a, at least a theoretical point of view, it is possible... To distinguish between this class of insecure curves and uh, ones that are, say, standardized by NIST and are considered more secure, uh, but the point is that this validation was not happening. So attackers could basically replace a secure elliptic curve with an insecure one and then get the honest party or fool them essentially into using an insecure curve.
1: So, what happens next? Uh, is, there a, is there a patch in the future? Is there a solution to this problem?
0: Yeah, so this is the kind of thing that that would be relatively easy to patch. And so I I don't know exactly what the plans are going forward, but it seems like it would not be very difficult to do, and they should be pushing out a patch uh, relatively quickly. Uh, It would have a small effect on uh, efficiency, but one that's not too bad. And, of course, anyway, it's very important to take care of. Otherwise, the system could be completely insecure.
1: All right, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us.